Good morning. Hey, it's good to be with you this morning on this third week of a four-week series called Grit. And before I even start talking about grit, I, I just saw this example that, uh, of our church having grit that I just have to affirm. Uh, last night, 600 teenagers in this room for homecoming. 600 teenagers for homecoming. And most churches wouldn't bless that. I mean, how can you have 600 teenagers in your sanctuary at 11 o'clock at night and then be ready for church the next morning? Well, that takes grit. It actually took 15 volunteers to show up here at 11 o'clock and do the cleaning so that we could come this morning. And most of you had no clue when you walked in here this morning that the homecoming dance last night was here. Grit. Uh, Post-prom. Same exact thing. For years, post-prom has been here. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, a church who has a mission of helping next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world, a church that does that has grit, and a church like that has my support. And um, we had eight uh, teenage girls at our house for supper who were coming to the dance Kaya and seven friends, and what a riot, and then I actually brought them out here at about eight o'clock, and uh, what a mob out in the parking lot just waiting for the doors to open. Beautiful. This is who we want to be as a church. This is how you help a generation encounter and follow Jesus. You get involved in their lives. When I see Jeff Mickey along the sidelines at a football game taking video for the post-season video for the football team? Grit. Year after year after year. Right? So, those are just examples I saw. Now I've got to teach about this. So, uh, psychologists uh, define grit this way, many of them. They say that grit is a positive trait based on a perseverance of effort combined with a passion for an outcome. We have a slide. Perseverance plus passion, passion for an outcome, for a goal reached, equals grit, according to psychology. Now, we in our series are saying, wait, it's, it's more than that, people. It's more than that, because it's got to be uh, spiritual. So we're saying grit equals spiritual strength and toughness plus perseverance and reaching a goal. And that spiritual strength and toughness comes from God. Now, two reasons we wanted to focus on grit this fall. Uh, reason number one is Jesus expected it of his followers. Here's one of many verses uh, from the book of Matthew. Here it is. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, he doesn't use the word grit. But what takes more grit than denying yourself, taking up that challenge, and following Jesus? So the first reason we wanted to cover it is Jesus expects it. He expects as a follower, you're going to have grit, toughness. But then there's another reason. Life these days, your life these days, probably requires grit. Jesus expects it in our lives, and your lives probably require it. We need grit. When we set a worthy and important goal at work, right? 
It's hard to be at work these days. That requires perseverance and passion and deadlines, and you gotta stick with it, grit. Or you're required to work with a team that's a little hard to work with at work. Some of you have those teams. They're a little hard to work with. That requires grit. Or sometimes you're called to come in specially because someone else didn't show up. Grit. Or there's a sales quota that's new at the beginning of every month. And you go, whoa, that's way too high. Grit. Um, when you're a teacher and a coach and you have like a little bit of a rowdy group, not necessarily here yet. Uh, grit. Or you're a student at school, and you're showing up for practice every night. But when it's game time, you sit at the end of the bench. Grit. You need grit when a, fam when a circumstance comes into your family that requires courage, perseverance, spiritual strength, hanging on to God with all your might. Some of you are right there. Uh, you thought you raised your kid for 18 years, and now you realize, no, wait, they're not done. 25, 40, 50. You're still raising your kid. Uh, your baby gets really sick, has a temperature in the middle of the night. Grit. Your mom or dad is in hospice. Grit. You find yourself battling cancer. Like we, almost every week I talk to someone in our lobbies who's battling cancer. Grit. We all have these issues and more in our seats. You have a marriage that isn't going right. Grit. Even at church, grit's required. Some of you need a small group, and it just takes so much grit just to make that call or online say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to lead one or I'm willing to be in one. That's grit. Even coming this morning, some of you, especially those of you with little kids, grit. So here's the outline with grit. Uh, for grit. Uh, grit begins with God. Uh, Alice taught this two weeks ago, and Alice said this, God has grit in abundance, power and strength, and he wants to give us grit. God lives in us, and his power is very close and available to us. It's the exact same power, the same amount of grit that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. That's what Alice said. Then she had that video segment with Clint Rady, and I'll never forget, he said, whoa, this pastor a long time ago said that following Jesus has like an airplane with two wings. One wing is what God's going to do, and the other wing is what I have to step up and do. Oh, powerful. Then last week, uh, demands relationships. Grit demands relationships. Well, Carla was here last week, and she said this, relationships require us to share our grit with those around us who have needs, and to rely on others when we need their grit. Ah, I heard someone who heard Carla's teaching last week tell me this week, that's the hard part for me. The hard part isn't giving grit to someone else. The hard part is receiving grit when I need it from someone else. And Carla used the Garden of Gethsemane and said, even Jesus took his followers with him when he needed to borrow some of their grit, and they fell asleep. And then Mary Beth, a friend, uh, an advisor of mine for years and years and years, was on that video segment. And uh, she said, uh, 
God is the only reliable source of grace. Today, I'm going to teach on intentional inspiration. And next week, Jeff Mickey is coming, and he's going to teach on training and trials. So uh, grit begins with God, demands relationships, runs on intentional inspiration, grows with training and trials. So today, intentional inspiration. Years ago, at one of our leadership summits, I heard a speaker talk about how much better an individual worker is if they're inspired and engaged than if they're not. And the statistics were amazing. And most of you would know this intuitively, that uh, a, a worker who's inspired and engaged and not just going through the motions is worth two or three or four times as much as a worker that's that same worker that's just going through the motions. And then I intuitively knew that's right about Dave Bartlett. That's right about me. If I'm just going through the motions, I'm basically worthless. But when I'm inspired and engaged and believe in what I'm doing, I'm two or three or four times more, uh, more productive. And I'm guessing that that's true of everyone in this room. I'm guessing you're terrible at going through the motions too. And you want to live a life that's deeply, deeply motivated. And then the speaker asked the question, which has struck with me for years. Who's responsible to keep you motivated? Who's responsible to keep you inspired? Is it your spouse or your, or, your, or your boss or your pastor or your children? Who's responsible? That rests on one person, and that's me, and that's you. Who's responsible to keep me inspired? I am. Who's responsible to keep you inspired? You are. I'm responsible for me. You're responsible for you. I'm responsible to put the appropriate inputs into my life so that I stay engaged and inspired as I follow Jesus, as I put myself in places where I can receive God's power. I'm responsible for that. Jesus called me, and a part of his call is to do what I can in my life to keep myself engaged and inspired, deeply motivated. So when I'm going to give a talk, I like, like to have lunch or breakfast or talks or walks with people, and I like to bounce the ideas off of them. So I found that some people have some wrong ideas about inspiration. And these are people who are here. Um, some of you, a couple of you, told me you see inspiration as like this rah-rah stuff that you don't need. You don't need rah-rah. You don't need to go to some conference and hear some speaker talk a bunch more. You think inspiration is rah-rah. And you just, you're the kind of person who just toughs it through the day. Bonk, thanks for playing. Uh, I want to talk about that. Some of you are introverts, and you think extroverts are the ones who get the inspiration. You just, you're an introvert. You're not going to go to some conference or hear some speaker or sing some song. You're going to sit in the backyard and watch the grosbeak come to the feeder silently. We'll get back to that. Some of you believe, some believe, yeah, you're almost powerless. 
It's like inspiration is just something that happens out there, and if it happens to come my way, great, and if it doesn't, great. There's a lot of wrong ideas about inspiration. Inspiration is a deep motivation for you to accomplish what you desire to accomplish in your life. You want to be a better mom? Grandma? Get inspired. You want to be a better grandparent? You want to pray more? Find a way to inspire yourself. You want to reach those goals that are important in your life? You want to be a better boss? Figure out what it is that inspires you to do it. Some of you, in fact, uh, people get inspired in different ways, right? So some of you do need rah-rah. I know Tim Walston, who was up here. I mean, he's as inspired when he comes back from this worship conference with a billion people there in a room, conference center, uh, singing worship songs. That's what inspires him. He comes back, and he's like, his feet are off the floor. He's like inspired. Some of you are, in fact, the person who wants to sit in the quiet back deck and watch the girl speaks to get inspired. And uh, some of you want to read some scripture quietly, and that inspires you. Some of you, uh, another thing about Tim, I don't know if you noticed this, but lately he's been on this thing of reading the Psalms. And uh, almost every Sunday he brings us a different Psalm, and it's because he's reading it and getting inspired. So there's two ways I know he gets inspired. Inspiration then increases grit and is needed. Following the pandemic, the divisive politics, the tough cultural questions, and on and on, people are needing more grit, and therefore, you have to ask yourself an important question. Have you learned, have you thought about what gives you inspiration and how you can bring just a little bit more of it into your life? Just a little more into your life. What is it that keeps you focused and motivated? What inspires you? Can you arrange your life just a little bit more to do a little bit? So uh, I've been asking these questions a long time. Uh, you know, 15, 20 years. Because I figured out just going through the motions isn't a good day part. So how do I keep myself inspired? And it's, it is real, and uh, I get lots of little jolts of inspiration uh, through my day. And I've learned to notice those jolts and name them. And there's a person on this campus on Sunday mornings, when I come to the door and this person is greeting people, I actually, in my heart, feel this jolt of inspiration. And so as I was working on this talk, I was thinking, well, why do I feel that jolt of inspiration when Stan Paterni is at the door? Why? And then I realized the reason is because I know his story. And because I know his story, every time I walk up and he's shaking hands and smiling, I like get this jolt of inspiration. I want to grow up and be like that. He's older than I am. So, take a look at this video of Stan Patern. I've discovered that when I see you greeting here at Orchard Hill Church on a Sunday morning, as I'm walking up and I see you, I get this jolt of inspiration. And beings that I'm teaching on inspiration uh, coming up, I wanted to talk to you about that. And I figured out that one of the reasons I get this jolt of inspiration is I know your story. Mm -hmm. 
So in your story, Stan, you've had a lot of loss. Can you yeah. talk about that? Our, our youngest son, who was 14 at the, about, uh, almost 14 at the time, uh, died in a playground accident. Mm. Mm. And of course, that was absolutely devastating. We were at a loss what to do. And I think we just made it an easy out, made it an easy out for us to leave the church. And that's, of course, when the drinking started. Oh, okay. Uh, the devil just, Satan just, just grabbed a hold and he knew I, we were both kind of weak. And, uh, you know, that went on a long time. And then, uh, well, first of all, two, two months after the day that my son, my youngest, our youngest son died, my father passed away mm. because he had been ill to our oldest son passing away. And then about 10 years later, my brother died of a massive heart attack. During that whole time of the heavy drinking and everything else, something in the back of my mind, I, I knew God was there. God hadn't left me, we left God. Peggy and I had been up to Minneapolis with another member of this church at a business meeting. So she invited me here and the next Sunday I came alone. Peggy wasn't ready yet. And I think it was two or three Sundays she finally came with me. And then Jennifer Van Gant got us involved in greeting, which totally, totally enjoy that. So you've been doing that a long time. Been doing that a long time, yeah. I don't know, 17, 18 yeah, years, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. Well, then 2014, uh, my wife got sick on a Tuesday and she passed away on Sunday. Wow. Sunday before Easter. Just five days. Sunday before Easter, yeah, yeah. So let me repeat, you've lost uh, uh, your one son. Yes. Then another son. Yes. Then an uncle. My brother. Brother, My brother, brother. And then uh, your wife and along the way, your mom and dad. Yeah. So in many yeah. ways, you're alone. Yes, yeah. And so I wanna get at this, what inspires you or where do you find the grit to get up on a Sunday morning. Now you used to get up and greet with your wife. Yes. Now you're doing it by yourself. Yes. Well, how, where does that come from? So it's kind of funny, recently I started getting down on my hands and knees and praying out loud. I thought I was above that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it sure makes a difference. It humbles you. You do not lose your train of thought. And so I have found so much joy in doing that and it's just joyous to come here on a Sunday morning and be with other Christians. Well, I want to thank you for the jolt of inspiration you give me when I come here. Well, thank and you. And you're standing it. at the door. Did you hear the two things? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Stan is here somewhere. He was greeting this morning. So uh, did you hear what he said? Where does his inspiration come from? He said... I've learned to get on my knees and pray. And then he said, when I come here, I see the joy and I get enthused, right? Two things. He's learned about himself. Now, there are others. In fact, uh, Stan, just a little, another push. Stan said, you know, I talked too much and I didn't give him enough space on the video. And... Uh, <laughs> Which was right. 
And uh, now he's going to take the journey so that uh, one day maybe he'll uh, share his, more of his story with us. He's going to take the journey and learn about how God's been at work in his life. And, uh, some of you should, too, uh, sign up for that. Uh, so uh, I was trying to think about what to do for you now. And I thought the only way I could maybe help you think about how best you inspire you is to just share with you a couple of examples of how I inspire myself, what, what inspires me. Maybe as you see how different this is, you'll begin to think outside the box and actually go, hey, this does inspire me to be a better follower of Jesus. This does inspire me to be a better me. And so uh, the first one, uh, every morning I, I get up and I have what I call in my mind share time where I sit with God and open the scriptures and all this. But right beside my chair are several things hanging there that are inspiring to me. And the first one is uh, my 11, the uh, faces of my uh, nine living grandchildren. And it's right there. And you know why that inspires me? Because it reminds me in a very graphic way that what I do as a grandpa still really matters. They're watching. Now they're watching their parents. They're watching their friends. They're watching their teachers and coaches and youth group leaders and all that. They're also watching their grandpa. And I better not be messing up. I better understand how important this is. If you're a grandpa or a grandma or a mom or a dad, seeing the eyes of your children or grandchildren ought to inspire you. Because I don't care where they live. I don't care if they live across the world. They are still watching you. Uh, here's a wall hanging that's right beside it. Uh, Dee Nelson, just a college girl at the time during our tragedy, came to my house one afternoon and handed me this and said, Dave, you taught me this. Now I want to remind you of it. If it weren't for the fact that she made it, I mean, I love this thing. It's there. It inspires me. Uh, you probably find things like this in grad sales all the time. But to me, this is very special. Dee was saying, Dave, you taught me. Now you do it. Choose joy. Um, uh, during our uh, family tragedy, too, uh, one of the families of the church went out and took this picture. Two rails uh, north of Cedar Falls. And uh, it hangs right there to remind me every day is two rails. And you ought to expect it and you ought to know it. And this deeply, deeply motivates me. It, it just does. Now, another thing about me, you wouldn't know probably, because whenever you see me, I'm standing up front talking. Uh, but I actually like few words. I actually like little pithy statements. And so there are three of them I think about a lot that really help me. First one is small things done often are not small things. Small things done often are not small things. That motivates me so much because so much of what I do seems like just little things. But when you do them day after day after day after day, they actually become big. Uh, the second one is from a Christmas Eve service a while back. God is with me and God is for me. I just whisper that. God is with me 
And God is for me. And the part I always forget is he's for me. He's for me. And uh, then the other, the third one. And this actually started when I was a youth director with kids. Um, I just whispered to God, I'm glad you know what you're doing because I have no clue. <laughs> I'm glad you know what you're doing. I, I used to go from appointment to appointment with teenagers. And they were in so much pain and so much trouble sometimes. And b- between the appointments, usually at McDonald's, uh, I would uh, just park my car somewhere and just whisper that. God, I'm glad you know what you're doing. Because I have no clue. Hmm. Uh, I have a couple mental uh, pictures from the scriptures that help me a lot. And I think about. One is Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water. And then he loses his focus. He starts to drown, right? That helps me so much because sometimes I want to get out of the boat and then I lose my focus and I start to drown. And Jesus is right there. And then the other one, when I picture Jesus looking into the eyes of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Dave. And a couple verses, of course. I, you know, you expect me to have a couple favorite verses. And so the first one's Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I mean, there's my three themes of my life, really, right there. God has made everything beautiful. The glass is more than half full. God has made everything beautiful. There's beauty on your worst day. I was at Grundy Center. They had a a really hard funeral on Thursday. And last Sunday, I said, keep your eyes open on this coming Thursday's funeral because there will be beautiful moments in that incredible, sad funeral. And I know it for sure. Because I've been at an incredible, sad funeral. And I know there were beautiful moments of support in that room. So when I read this, he has made everything beautiful. There's beauty everywhere. It's one of my themes. There's beauty in watching the birds and walking in nature. There's beauty in a warm cup of coffee. There's beauty at the DQ if you order like an extreme chocolate blizzard. (laughs) There was beauty at the Friday night football games, whether they won or lost. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. I, I believe every person if they are honest with themselves, understands this life doesn't end at death. You may want to build a case and have an argument and debate it, but I believe God has put eternity in human hearts and people know it. And God's thoughts are beyond our thoughts. We can't fathom what he's doing. We don't get it. 
<laughs> glass foggy and like my glass, my mirror that I'm looking in about how God works is so foggy, I can hardly make out anything. God, it's beyond us. So that verse, um, then here's my running verse uh, when I used to run, uh, but I still have the verse. Uh, let's have the next one. Uh, he is... Uh, Isaiah 40, 31. Uh, Isaiah 41 says this, but those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God's with us. He's going to help us run. And sometimes we can even fly like an eagle. Do you know how fast an eagle flies? If you see an eagle just soaring above the trees, 30 miles an hour. If you see a bald eagle diving for a fish or a little varmint, it can go up to 100 miles an hour. A golden eagle diving for a piece of food can go 200 miles an hour. Amazing. And God says... But those whose hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar like eagles. They will run and not go weary. And on their hard days, they will walk and not faint. Uh, Revelation 21, 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. This has become so important to me. There's a day. There's a day coming in every human life when everything is new. Everything is new. In working on this sermon teaching, though, uh, I came to a point where I realized it's not individual verses that actually most inspire me. It's the whole story of God. The fact that he spoke the world into existence with his power. The fact that it got broken because of human waywardness, sin, and then he bought it back with his son. And one day, for those of us who choose to believe that, who choose to live that out, who choose to follow Jesus, one day we'll be in a place where everything is new and right and beautiful. And inspired you has tons more grit than an uninspired you. What is it you need to bring into your life just a little bit more? You're already doing it, but just a little bit more. More walks in nature, more conversations by phone with that loved one across the country, more pictures put on your coffee table or hung on your wall. Revisit those family videos. Open the Bible a little more. Get on your knees and pray. Two wings on the airplane. What are you going to do? And then how will God use what you're going to do? I, my prayer is just that uh, all of us would find just uh, one more little piece to help us be a little more 
motivated to be the followers of Jesus we actually want to be. Thanks. Let's pray. Uh, God in heaven, you are amazing. You are beyond our thinking. You are beyond our way of seeing the world. You are big and awesome and kind and good and powerful. And we want to take steps to keep that in mind as we try to be who we feel like you want us to be and who we actually want to be. Help us uh, find little steps to take that uh, are our part of keeping ourselves inspired. In Jesus' name, amen.